honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Strange on Purpose is a show hosted by misfits, entrepreneurs, and creatives. We interview some of the top minds on the planet, highlighting their stories, accomplishments, and deliver it to you in an actionable audio experience. This series is for the humans that don't mind going against the grain in order to achieve their goals. For the people that see the world differently and understand that there are lessons all around us. It's for the misfits, the rebels, the go-getters, and the people that are growing on purpose. This week, we had Michael Drescher, who founded Vibrant Body Company, who's just doing incredible work in the beauty, health space, and I gave a TEDx talk with him um, a while back. Just incredible, incredible dude and very, very powerful story. I'm super excited to dive into this, and again, if you like what you hear, if you can leave us a review on iTunes, that would be rad. Again, here's the episode. Here's Michael Drescher. Dude, I'm excited. Appreciate you coming up. <laughs> Forewarning, I just gave him a warning that I'm about to get weird. So Okay, good. <laughs> I'm in. Appreciate you coming on, dude. I'm super excited. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, it's been a pleasure to meet you. It's you a, too, just an man. honor to, 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 to do our thing together. There. I know. Uh, I know. La- last month, which is one of those bonding experiences anyway, I think, for all of us. Yeah. Because right? we all went through that. And we all came out the other end. And it was Yeah, and I do want to talk about that a little bit. Um, you're referring to TEDx, which was... Um, your talk, dude, was incredibly powerful, and it was one of my favorites. And I was up on the stands, like way up there, just like freaking cheering because it was incredible. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the title was "Is Your Bra Killing You?" Yes. And originally, it was "What Does a Guy <clears throat> Know About a Bra?" What does a guy know about a bra? Can that you talk it. a little bit about that? Because just I'm just whatever you want to take it, I'll fill in the gaps <laughs> and I'll ask questions if I need to. Yeah. Well, the um well, the title, What Does a Guy Know About a Bra? Um, that, we just figured out after a while that sounded a little too ego, a little too mm. a little too obnoxious, really. I mean, what does a guy know, right? And it's funny, but the real crux of the matter is, um, you know, is your bra killing you? Because that's really where my kind of dedication is, if you will. And um, that goes back in you know, many years. I, I was... Um, uh, have exposed to breast cancer like we all are. It's not. This is not a me thing. This is all of us thing. And um, it was. It, it just. My real background is media. I, I was very fortunate to be uh, in media and still am to a great extent. So, but the breast cancer thing, and then um, I had someone that that almost passed from it. Someone I was very close to at the time, and watching what it does to a person and a family, and then. My very next door neighbor, uh, at, uh, she got it at 38, and by the age of 42, she was gone. And watching that, and then you realize statistically that this year, 240,000 women will be diagnosed here in America, uh, will lose 40,000 women to breast cancer. And the most amazing status is that um, in the disparity, women, if they live long enough, the longer they live, the more likely they are to be diagnosed all the way up into their 60s, they'll have a uh, one in eight chance of having mm. breast cancer. So, and men, we're one in 1,100, okay? That's insane. Yeah, and so it's like, well, do we do something different? And 
Obviously, women wear bras, men don't. Is that it? But really, if you want to get, get weird, get into like Alex Gray, uh, Alex Gray paintings. He's all about like the electrical body yeah. and the chakras and stuff. But that's real deal. You know, he's an interesting fellow. He dropped out of uh, Harvard Medical, I think, and, <laughs> you know, did all this, you know, stuff. But anyway, the electrical body, I have a sister who's really bright, and she was working as a body therapist. And, and she saw all this trauma on, on the upper torso of women that she never saw in men, typically tracking right where that bra would be, right? And um, you know, the welts and the, and the abrasions and even worse. And so I couldn't stop thinking about that. And then it was interesting because I found a book called Dress to Kill, written by a guy in 95 that actually had, he's eminently qualified to make these studies and he used qualified people and he showed that, hey, wearing a bra is not necessarily your friend, you know, long term and I can get into all that. But then I saw the industry, and this is in the 2000s, they, they didn't want to debate that book. They just really wanted to crush this guy without any real logic. And what that were some of the things that they were saying? Well, they, they would just be discrediting him and not going to the facts. Mm. But, you know, Q, I think you know this. Everything's kind of a business, you know? And sometimes these businesses, believe it or not, will make things up and lie. That's crazy, I know. But really, that, that gets my attention because I'm kind of a, kind of a dissident on my own right. So it's like, um, so then to kind of track that, and then I began to really follow. And uh, I decided that I would, if this was really the answer, if there's something about restriction, then like in all business, it's all about problem solving. So let's go find the experts and see if there's a, a correlation. What do they think? And uh, I found myself with the top bra designer in New York, older woman, uh, Rosalind Hart, Amazing. She hung up on me like the first time I called her. <laughs> she was 82. I was in L.A. and I, I'm like stumbling <laughs> around. I don't know. What and she finally said, son, are you a bra designer? I said, no, I'm not. And she said, so uh, you have a dream. Uh, I said, well, I don't know if it's a dream. She said, I'm 82 years old. I have my own dreams. Why don't you find someone in L.A. to tell your little dream to <laughs> goodbye? <laughs> Savage. And this is a woman that's won more Intimate Apparel Awards in New York. She's about this tall. And I thought, well, I have to meet this woman because she'll tell it to me straight because she has yeah. no time for me. And so I called the person that I knew. He said, oh, yeah, she's a little rough, but she runs this charity. So I called her back and I said, don't hang up because it looks like we're going to lunch. And she goes, what? <laughs> I said, yes, because I'm bringing a check for $2,000 for hugs. That's the name of her charity. And she said, ah, just like that. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I, and right like this, she's a third generation New Yorker. She said, did you say 5,000? I said, no, I did not. I said, but I might have said three, but that'd be dinner, okay? <laughs> and seriously, this is no kidding. That's amazing. And that's the same, Rosalind, who I showed in the, in the talk, mm -hmm. right? So uh, I came in the next week, we went to dinner, and I'm kind of like just coming around it, and she finally looked at me, and she's banging vodkas, and she's going like, okay, shut up. She said, I don't know if I'm buying any of this, but I'm really upset right now because I've been in this business over 50, 60 years, and I don't talk about breast cancer. I talk about breast health. And she said, you're the first person I've ever talked to about breast health, and I'm really mm -hmm. disappointed with myself right now. And, uh, and then she called me the next day and said, look, you know, I, I'm... I'm angry because I've been fooled, because I don't, 
I have to forgive myself. And since then, she became like a warrior for, for the deal. But, but that was the first inkling. And then I went right from there over to Germany to meet Reinhold Baer. He's the top designer in the world as far as patents goes. Uh, he has his name on more patents. It's owned by a company called Triumph International, which is the top-end brand in Europe and Asia. And uh, he speaks very broken English. And I'm explaining to him without trying to say, hey, you've been hurting women for how long? Okay. Mm. And uh, he stood up after many beers, and he's like, I only make bras for three things, fashion, 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 sexy, 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 young, young, young. And he started to cry. It was amazing. Because he got it. Mm. And the guy with him is the head of production, and he said, in America, you have bigger problems. You have all these toxins that we don't allow in, in Europe. And it turned out that in Europe, they've banned 1,500 chemicals, compounds. Can't have touched the skin. And uh, South Korea's banned 1,000. Canada's banned 1,000. We've banned 37 of them here, wow. 37. And transdermal absorption, right, for nicotine patches, for um, uh, birth control. You know, our, our mm -hmm. skin, if it's on you, it's in you. So that really got me kind of like, wow. And then if you really think about it, and I'm no doctor, okay, but if you, if you're restricting this part of your body um, with invasive wires and, and restriction that's supposed to be kind of breathing with the lymphatic system, the very lymphatic system that's there to cleanse these chemicals that are coming in through your second most porous area, this isn't just for a day. This is a month, months, yeah. years. Okay. So anyway, so that's what got me into um, investing uh, in it maybe seven or eight years ago, and I actually hired Rosalind. Um, Reinhold Baer left Triumph to join the team, along with their head of production. Another woman, Heidi Lehman, who's been the top at Jockey, and a few others. So we were really an amazing team, but we knew that culture has taught women that they have to project their breasts, because that's what America did. And those were all men back in yeah. the 40s, the sweater girls. So yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a journey, but we have a product, it's called Vibrant Body Company. But we're about education. We believe that if women don't want to wear a bra, then they shouldn't. And frankly, with all I know, if they're comfortable not, I don't know why you would. I think if we got all the guys together and said, hey, guys, we're going to tie a wire on a willy from now on, okay? And we're going to project them out, show the girls what we have. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't stupid. think it's stupid. It's like, well, guys are going to go, yeah, right, that'll be the day, right? And I get it. You know, someone much more comfortable. But, um, but we want to offer education and choice, and that's yeah. what we've done. We have products that... Women really love and they're comfortable, but there's no wires and you'll never have any toxins in them either, you know, harmful toxins. So um, been really fortunate. And, I, and what a wonderful place like Ted to be able to, uh, you know, kind of bring some of that education forward. And hopefully all boats rise and other people in the industry go, hey, yeah, this is not a good idea. Let's, let's, let's all do something better. What is, like, what are some of the effects outside of like cancer from wearing a bra? Well, you know what, it's, uh, and I think to talk universally, right, um, this, our body, electrical, is like a self-winding watch. You move, right? That's why, uh, God bless people like, um, they say, um, um, Reeves, the actor uh, who, who got hit on the horse. Hey, oh, a yeah. Anyway, oh, I can't believe it. Can't Christopher? Remember his first name. Christopher yeah. Reeves, thank you. He, he didn't move for like five days, so you're dead, right? Um, and that's a big problem with a lot of those folks that have really restricted movement because your body has to mm -hmm. move. 
And so, um, you know, all kinds of issues relating to that. Men, uh, serious to professional cyclists, and you can Google this, um, their, their, their incidence of sterility and other related issues is off the charts compared to almost any other group of men. Because those compression shorts take the boys, we'll call them, and you know, compress them up, where the boys are supposed to be two yeah. degrees cooler, contract and expand. You can watch Seinfeld and learn that, right? So, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, so you know, and if they're out there all the time, and then you're on the back of that, you're on that bike seat. So you know, there's yeah. there's collateral damage if you tie a string around your finger for, you know, and leave it there for 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 a month. You know, it, you're not gonna, your finger probably gonna have to come off. You know, it's just so there's. There's cancer, but there's all kinds of, you know, you're only as, your body's only as good as your weakest link. And I always say, we can't, can, can I prove anything? Am I a doctor? It's like saying, okay, here's, and we all know these people. They're 80 some odd years old. They smoke two packs a day. They can't get enough whiskey. And, <laughs> and they're in great health, kind of, you know. And then there's uh, the guy that died of lung cancer smoking two packs a day at 37, right? So our bodies, but by and large, if you want to buy a ticket to, to good, I suppose, that you want to, I think we have a toxic score, right? Mm. And you want to do all the things that you can uh, to, to keep that score down, right? So we've already figured out it's, if it's on you, it's in you. If it's in you, we've figured that out with food. And then, of course, you know, what we breathe, those environmental things that can, you don't know where it's going to pop up in your body. But uh, so you try to keep the body moving. Yeah. That's such a big problem to tackle. Like, what are what are some things that you're doing company-wise, brand-wise, education-wise to educate people to change that? Right. The um, well, we believe that trying to make it as simple as possible because we've had a design lab out in Venice Beach. Uh, uh, we call it a design lab rather than a pop-up because we want women to come in and to have a discussion, find out the conversations they want to have, and so. Again, culture. Mm. We have many, many ladies in LA that we've had special events for that are actresses and models. These are women that by and large are very <coughs> in touch with their bodies. They work out, Pilates, yoga, whatever they do. It's even didn't hit their radar. But yet when you speak to them logically about this porous skin, about toxins, <coughs> and all it, all it needs for even rapid absorption is any kind of moisture, um, any kind of heat, which obviously happens a lot within the bra. And so for them not to be even enlightened about it, but once they get it, you can't unknow it. Yeah. And so we find that if we can just educate um, and that high touch kind of peer-to-peer, -peer, <coughs> pardon me, um, that's one way. The other way is obviously just being in the, in the business we're in uh, trying to get that as successful as possible. And success to us is about education. Two things that, that I'll, I'll end with on this topic is one is culture. Again, culture lies. And that's what we're up against, right? The week I was born in 1954, the inside front cover of Life magazine, then kind of the Google of the day, the largest circulating national magazine, it, hadn't, it just didn't have a doctor. It had a surgeon from UCLA. I have this framed, and, he, and he's in his surgical whites, and he's smoking a camel cigarette. Mm. And he's saying, this is how I relax. This is probably the most trusted figure in America at the time, and, but that's what culture said. And so women with these bras 
culture taught them from the sweater girls that when they put a bra on, the first thing they want is a mirror because they want to see how they look, they look. There's a, there's a cultural perception of how they're supposed to look under a t-shirt and, right? Often for this program, male gaze yep. is really what it's all about. So getting them to, we knew that we had to have a product that could give that, that lift because you can't just go, well, it's healthy, you know, because <laughs> they're not ready to go there yet. So it's that education. Fortunately, um, the cosmetics industry, a few players there have really gone and I think done a great job. Greg Renfra, the founder of Beauty Counter, uh, is my hero, frankly, in all of this. I think this woman is just, and her teams, go, their whole thing is education. And she's the one that really broke the barrier because you have to understand, we haven't had legislation uh, in, in, in the health and beauty industry since like the 30s and 40s. Wow. And she's worked with Diane Feinstein to at least raise the lowest bar so that these poor women that can only shop at the dollar store aren't gonna get these horrible metals that are in so many of these lotions and so forth to keep them, to preserve them for 20 years, mm -hmm. okay? Um, it's just a lot of bad stuff, like I say. And you don't have to, it's political. It's both sides of the aisle. This has been going on for a long time. Um, yeah, it's, it's sad, but it is, right? So that, that piece of the education, culture's one piece. Beauty counter, uh, she has her nevers list, things that she'll never have in there. That's awesome. Uh, there's another one called Drunk Elephant, which is kind of fun. <laughs> and she has her suspicious sick. She's very good at education. It's kind of a cute story. Uh, every one of her products contains an oil that's found in a plant that's indigenous to Africa. And when elephants consume this plant, they basically get drunk, okay? So, <laughs> so this is, yeah, it, it's like catnip for elephants, okay? It's a good story. Yeah, right? it's fun, right? And here again, she was an entrepreneur and started this out of her house. Every, every marketing person in the world said, you can't call a drunk elephant. Well, I think she just got offered a billion dollars for her company, okay? But you know, it was in her heart and she yeah. knew why she was calling a drunk elephant, had purpose. Power of story, I yeah. dig that. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I like that a lot. Before we like switch gears a bit, I do want to backtrack um, because initially you said it impacts everybody. And from what I've heard, men are the source of the problem here. Like, we want you to look a certain way, so here you go, go kill yourself, basically, is what I heard, you know? Like, right. how do we go about educating men and why is it so important that men are a part of that conversation? Thank you. Uh, you, you know, it's exactly that. And I think that, yeah, I've had a really nice journey with this. I've, I've met men that when I tell them this story, they get visibly upset because mm -hmm. they love the women in their life so much, right? And I think that, you know, that's what all of us men need to aspire to, right? Because it's, yes, you know, we're, we're sexual beings. We're, we're wired incredibly that way to, to procreate, right? Uh, whoever the goddess and the gods are did a hell of a job. <laughs> But it's gone way too far on some of these things that we get so caught up with some of this uh, look and, like we say, culture. So, um, yeah, men, men, I think, it's very interesting because for me, it's like, what does a guy know about a bra, right? And, you know, most the joke would be, well, you know, he knows how to take them off or the three-finger dismount or the this or the that. And, um, and it's all good, clean, fun and joking, and women can joke about that too. But... The, the real essence of it is that 
women are incredibly beautiful creatures, as are men, right? And we're kind of made to be kind of naked and run around, basically, as far as I can figure from way back. Yeah. Or even now, that's the essence of who we are. And so it makes sense that, that men nor women, okay, should ever have anything con conflictive on their body, right? I mean, I believe that whoever the creator is put us out perfectly. So they didn't, they didn't, we, didn't, we don't come out with a cigarette in our hand. We don't come out with clothes. We don't have, you know, so if you don't have to unnecessarily restrict any part of your body, man or woman, any part of your body, if you don't have to have wires that are being invasive on any part of your body and causing, you know, abrasions and welts, which are actually precancerous, and if you don't have to expose this most porous, beautiful organ, our skin, to potentially harmful toxins, why would you? And why would you want someone you love or cared about or any other human being to be exposed to that? Because we know that in a very logical sense, that can't be good. It's powerful, man. Yeah. Well, it's from the heart never lies. I've been very blessed to be on this journey. It's been a divine journey. Um, Tell me about that. Tell me about the journey. You before, like how does take me on that journey? You know, I, I started, uh, uh, I wanted to be an actor. And I did a lot of that in high school and college. I wasn't a very good college student. I was better at tending bar and acting. <laughs> but you're kind of one of the same. Might have to put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let's put it this way. I was at seven colleges as an undergrad. Most people, when you say seven colleges, oh, it's like a PhD. <laughs> and that I was just and, at the bar. You yeah, know? yeah. And I paid for them all. And my father was like, I'd help you, but, you know, I don't back losers, dude. And <laughs> he said that lovingly. But I uh, ended up in Boston, and I ended up at Boston College, who would never have me today. However, I worked at the bars in Boston. I ended up running what's known as the Hampshire House and the mm. Cheers Bar. Well, it's called the Bull and Finch. But Cheers television show came in uh, in the early 80s and created a, a dynasty show using this, this place that I ran. Ironically, I wanted to be an actor, and I had left a year before that. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I thought, man, this is not happening. <laughs> and uh, I had gone to New York, and uh, um, I'd done a little bit of work down there with some of the cable networks like you know, MTV and some of these others that were just starting at the time. And I got wind that they needed some uh, printing in those days. This is like 1980, 81. And my brother, my older brother, by five years, so we we're kind of generational, was here in Milwaukee, and he was doing typesetting at night. This is before computers, you'd set type. And I was like, no, oh, my brother can do that. And uh, seriously, one thing led to another, and 20 years later, he, my brother and I, we had the largest production promotion company within cable television. So pretty much all the networks were our customer, and we were gathering all of their program information and disseminate, disseminating it, in things like on-screen guides and print guides. And when we sold to the Tribune Company in Chicago in 99, 20 years ago, we, uh, you know, we, we had 600 people, we had uh, all that stuff. And, and that was very fortunate. I, I would handle all the relationships. My brother, we had a deal. I drove it in the barn, he got it done. So I'd go out and be in New York and LA and figure it out and he'd figure out the rest, yeah. which was the hard part. He's a pretty smart fellow. So, um, but really what from from there, as I mentioned before, and, and with the divine stuff. So probably in 2002, I find, yeah, that's when we lost Emmy Next Door. 
Um, and that's when I really started to think about this with the electrical body stuff that my sister was talking about. And it just stayed in my mind. Mm. And every so often, I'd hire somebody to do a little research. And what do I know? Because I'm a guy, I'm in the entertainment business, you know, really, somebody's, it was really that simple or that hard. And then in 2009, um, 2008, Christmas, it was just uh, someone else I'd known out west, out, back out in L.A., and so I asked my assistant of now 30 years, Patty, I said, send me all that research. I'm not going to go home for Christmas, so to speak, or down to Florida to see my mother. I'm actually going to read all this stuff again. And if I become convinced that, that this is what it's got to be, then I'm, I, I guess I've got to do it. I'm kind of that spiritual thing you got to ask. Yeah. And, and so I read it all. And as a guy, I became convinced that there was some real there there, right? I knew that just enough to know that. And... Uh, so I decided, okay, so, so now we're getting into January. Well, they're doing it less now, but the New York Times on Sunday has their New York Times magazine. And the inside back cover opposing page, for years and years, it was called Lives. And it's a submission. And it's a very personal story, always. And sometimes it makes you cry, and sometimes you're like, this is the worst thing I've ever read, because it's a submission. But a lot of times it's really, like, good. Yeah. And I've been reading it for 30 years. So here I made the decision. And I have this frame, too. It's, I think it's January 6th, the Sunday, uh, 2009. And uh, I decided I was going to spend the money. And I decided that, you know, whenever you're going to make a big commitment like that, I think you have to figure out what could you be happy with? Like, what could you, what would, what would success look like? And I thought, back in those days, now everybody says this, but in those days I thought if we could change the conversation... If, you know, if, I, if I'm going to have to spend millions of dollars, but, and if I don't make any money back, but we change the conversation, and women become much more aware about breast health and the things I was believing at the time, then okay. But the better solution would be that we would have a product that was sustainable and that we could make it available. I knew it would be expensive at first, but yeah. if we can make it available to all women. So that was in my head. So then all of a sudden I get this New York Times on the 6th, and, and, and I, op I open it up for the live section, and it's about bras and breast cancer. It's never been about bras or breast cancer. For 30 years, I've been reading this thing. So that was like, okay, I get it. And it was a beautiful story. A woman speaking about her mother was diagnosed for a bilateral or a, a, a double mastectomy. And her mother gave her, her all of her bras because they were both the same size. And I'm like crying, and I'm reading this thing. And then her mother has the operation. She'd been fighting breast cancer for years before she decided to have the bilateral. And um, then uh, she turns the story on a dime, a beautiful dime. And she and her mother, post-surgery, are going out shopping for a mastectomy bra in those days. And it was the most beautiful time that her mother had had in five years. It was the first feminine thing that she really got to do in all those years. And yeah. it was really beautiful. But so that was like, okay, I get it, okay? I'm doing this. Yeah. And you kind of get those. And then along the way, Rosalind hanging up on me, but then she became into the fold. Reinhold Bear leaving, you know, Triumph. Who leaves Triumph, okay? But he was so emotionally moved by what he felt this is, and to this day. Um, how did you find those people? And how, like, how did you also, like, understand the power of story, understand you also felt it, and they felt very compelled, but how did you convince them to just jump on board with this? It's oh. incredible, man. And they're, from what I know and what I heard in the talk, like, they're incredible, incredible human beings. That's it. You know, it's like, you can only ask, uh, 
it, it, well, first of all, you just have to do your homework and reach out, right? If you want to find something. And I believe, my father taught me a long time ago, you know, we're all the same in the shower. You're no better than anybody else, but you're no worse. <laughs> I like that. And yeah, you know, and, but also from the heart never lies. So if you're just honest with people and tell them what you, what, you know, what do you want? There's another school of thought that everybody has this built-in radio station called WIIFM, right? And that means what's in it for me, okay? <laughs> and on some level, there is a little bit of that in all of us, I guess, on some level. Some a lot more than others, some, some very undeserving, but that's all right, yeah. different story. But here, you know, I believe it's from the heart never lies, you'll find uh, uh, people will be pretty, pretty, and you don't have to write checks necessarily, you just have to ask, you know? And, uh, and in this case, was really fortunate, and I, I think they saw that my commitment and that we could get a few things done, and uh, uh, one thing leads to another, and then once you gain the trust of someone on the inside, they tend to introduce you to the same kind of people. That's awesome, man. And you have this incredible sense of like self-awareness, and I, for whatever reason, I feel compelled to ask you because I do think you have an incredible self-awareness. I think we just, as a society, like for whatever reason, like we just don't love ourselves. And there's a lot of people that have been talked to that, that I have been talking to that just don't like themselves, right? And there's no real solution. Hey, this is how you go about like finding who, who you are. This is how you go about loving yourself. Like, what would you say to people like that? Well, uh, wow. Uh, I know, totally out of like... <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. I'd bring it. Uh, well, you know, I'm my, my biggest... Uh, uh, there's a guy that... I, then just one of my heroes, mm. Dr. Leo Pascalia. And uh, he's, he's deceased in 2009. He was a, a PhD out of USC, and he, he started a course in love mm. in, the, uh, in the 70s. And he wrote a book called Love that was on the New York Times bestseller. And it, Leo's not about himself, and a tragic story about a, a girl in his class committed suicide, and, and he realized what a fraud he was. Because he said, I talk about, you know, that I'm the most loving guy, but I didn't even get to know this girl. And nobody in the class did. And he said, you know what, we're loving each other, which is also part of loving yourself. He said, we leave that entirely in the hands of our religion and our parents. And guess what? Ain't, ain't, you know. So that's why he wanted this course in love. And then he wrote a book, and it was kind of a funny story because he said, that the suits came from Houghton Mifflin. They wanted him to publish a book because he was had started this course in love and it was getting a lot of traction. And he said, yeah, I, I, I want to get the word out so people should love themselves. And, and they said, well, you're going to have to have a title. He said, oh, I have a title. And they said, what is it? He said, love. And they said, you can't call it that. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, well, what? They, we're Houghton Mifflin. You go write the book. Think of a little title. Okay, we'll be back. So he said they came back. The suits came back, he said. And... and they loved the, the transcript. They said, okay, show us your titles. He goes, well, I, I want to call it love. And they go, we told you. And he goes, but why? And they said, well, it's 1970. Love's been taken. And he goes, no, it hasn't. <laughs> and they said, you know, we're Houghton Mifflin. <laughs> With all due respect, <laughs> why? He goes, because if there was a book called Love, I would have fucking read it. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Isn't that great? And the fact is... That, and it's a testimony to the times. There had never been a book called Love. So he wrote it, and it would be stayed on the bestseller. But all this wind up to Leo, and there's anybody that Googles Leo Pascalia, you, you get so 
drawn to his, 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 there's a bunch of YouTubes out there for him. But um, his whole thing is you can't be to someone else what you're not to yourself, okay? And so you can't, no matter what, if you really want to help somebody, then you've got to you know, help yourself. I can't teach fifth grade math unless I know fifth grade math, okay? I can't give you love if I don't know love, you know, as deeply as I can. And believe me, I'm no expert at it, but it's a, it's a process like any other relationship, your relationship with yourself. It's amazing, man. And I like the word process. It's <laughs> yeah. not this, hey, I'm going to wait. Yeah, oh, yeah, I got it. Anybody's yeah. got it, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. Agreed. Right. Yeah. Agreed. I think that's everything, man. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, I'm going to fire them off now. If you okay, could put go. one thing on a billboard. Go. One thing on a billboard, tell the whole world what would that thing be. If I could tell one thing on a billboard? Put one thing on a billboard. It could be a photo, it can be a phrase, it could be anything. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm kind of stuck on this love yourself thing. It's not <laughs> bad, but um, uh, we are one. You know, some derivative of that. I like that. Yeah. I, I'm just fascinated by it. it it's just so crazy because to the cell, every human being, every color, every shape, size, we're exactly the same. The, the Indonesian trained doctor in the Icelandic emergency room working on a, you know, a Mexican child doesn't need a dictionary, doesn't need a new medical journal. You know, yeah. it's, we're all, we're one. No, I like that. And we put so much... I mean, even like this podcast, it's called Strange on Purpose, right? It's focused on differences. And I think as a society, we focus so much on the differences, um, regardless if they're good or bad, whatever. But I like that we're all, at the root level, we're all the same. Man. Yeah, we are, we are one. I, I, uh, I actually own, I, I own way too many, um, <laughs> I'm fascinated by the URLs, or whatever you call it, like <laughs> domains. And, and I don't think I've ever sold one. I, I buy them. <laughs> Because I just get moved by them emotionally, and I just have them. <laughs> but I, but I, I think my favorites that I own, and I own all three of these. I own IamEveryone.com, YouAreEveryone.com, <laughs> and WeAreEveryone.com. I like the yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm. Uh, that is amazing. Yeah, IamEveryone.com, <laughs> and I own one, and I meant it in a spiritual sense, but it's kind of yeah. funny. I own one that you can't say this unless you own this URL. Seriously. <laughs> and and it's <laughs> and I, I literally own this URL and it's called I have everything.com. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Do you I do have anything everything. with them? Or do you just have them? No, I just have them. In fact, I, I just I just uh, one, of, one of my guys just convinced me to call the herd the other day because I was just like, you know, some of these are kind of stupid. I, I'll, I'll get like vibrant before it was vibrant. We've had different names for it. It's going to be she, mm. but then it became like the Abbott and Costello. Like she wears a she bra. You know, it's like who's on first, and so it, it was cool, but it just yeah. didn't work. But I had all these she uh, URLs, and then it was body hum, and because electrical body when your body's humming, and then some people thought that was meant something else, and so it's like okay, we can't do that. But I, you know, so there's some of those who just need to go because I'm never going to use them, but. Um, yeah, a lot of them are just things I think about here and I there. I like it. That's yeah. so red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a Strange on Purpose podcast. Um, so what about you, a Strange on Purpose? What makes you miss it? What about you goes against the grain? Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's fair to say. And I, um, 
Yeah, I have a really low tolerance for, and always have, for anything that I, and I, this doesn't come around necessarily this being this all good place, but just, I mean, it seems unfair. I, and, and I don't know, even as a kid, I went to Catholic grade school and you had the nuns and they were screaming at other kids. I'm like, ah. So I'd always end up, you know, in detention for like, you know, I, I, well, that's probably not a good example. It's a little too ego. But it's, it's um, <clears throat> I, I think that at a young age, well, I was a profound stutterer as a kid, okay? Mm. And so it was one of those, okay? And it's weird, you know, because you just, it's, it's humiliating. It's a lot of different things. However, um, it taught me a lot of things, and it taught me to be kind of fearless in a way. And I also, at the same time, and that's the reason that I stuttered, was because as a young, young child for years, I would, what's known as astral projection, mm. astral, so I, w I would leave my body, right? And so, and I'd be in that other world. I was getting, this is strange. Yeah. And, but... And there's good and evil out there, and it's that you're a kid. And I would do it involuntarily. It would just, they'd, as I say, they'd kind of come, but it wasn't them. I would go. And it was very interesting. You know, you can see your house. You can see your neighborhood. You That's can almost imagine wherever you want it to be, and it wasn't really a dream. And I, I, I finally, my biggest fear as a kid was I was kind of digging it out there, but, but I couldn't, um, I always, my, my biggest nightmare was how about if the house burned down while I was out and I didn't have a body to come back to? You know, because I'd miss my friends, you know, yeah. <laughs> and all that stuff you think about as a kid. And I began to talk about that. And my, my mother particularly had me hospitalized and, and, I, and I fought her on it because I'd act, I, she wanted me to say it wasn't true. And I said, no, it is true. And all this stuff. And that kind of drove me into stuttering and so forth. But I, I think what that made me kind of fearless because I realized that, that there is so much love for us on the other side. And there really is. It's incredible. And so sometimes when I go back into that, I, it's like, the very Zen deal. It's like everything matters, but nothing matters, right? And then you get into like you know, the Dalai Lama, just, you know, we're here to take care of each other and go home. It's pretty simple, you know? So if you can, rather you get so caught up in some of these other things, which, yeah. by the way, I saw a great Dalai, um, Dalai Lama uh, meme the other day, and it has him at a pizza place, right? And the Dalai Lama, he looks at the guy at the pizza parlor and says, make me one with everything. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Could have to get that on a t-shirt too. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful, man. Yeah. So, I mean the, the meme's beautiful too, but No, but 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 the fearless thing. And I think we all have that moment when you stop caring what people think about, when you stop, you know, when you become fearless. I mean you've done it. You know, you've mm. done it at an early, a lot earlier age than I have to do the things you've done. You know, you can't be sitting there because we get caught up in a lot of this other stuff. Yeah. That's beautiful. It is, dude, and it's so easy. It's so easy to get caught up in them, especially, like, on all ends of the spectrum, like, old, young, middle-aged, like, it doesn't matter. It's so, so easy. Yeah. Oh, believe me, yeah. So, yeah. lastly, like, where where can people find you? Where can they find them? Where can they buy your stuff? When's the TEDx coming out? <laughs> we wish we knew that. Right? The, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was asking And that, by yeah. the way, folks, if you want, you want a TEDx, this guy here, <laughs> I, I, you know, I had heard of you, and then in rehearsal... Uh, when you stood up and did that, I was like, wow, these people were talking about the right guy here. Appreciate it. Was, uh, Likewise. No, and it just, uh, it's so beautiful what you bring to people and what, what, you, what you let them discover about themselves is really pretty cool and needed. Um, 
But I'm I'm a, a vibrantbodycompany.com. Vibrant Body Company is probably the best way. Um, Michael Drescher is my name. But um, you know, we're hoping that just a chance to educate and, and offer choice. And so, <clears throat> you know, selling bra sure, that's a great byproduct. We also have undies and camis and everything that's that's clean. And I'll, you know, at the end with that, because I think people for education, and this is not me, again, this is Greg Renfro from Beauty Counter, and I think she did an amazing job in identifying, at least here in the US, some things that everyone should be thinking about, men or women. Mm. And she uses the word clean. And the reason she does is because we've already blown the words organic and everything else here, because you can have a, a jar of you know what looks like orange juice, except here in America, you only have to have 5% juice in there to call it a juice. Uh, here in America, you can file that any ingredient's proprietary so you don't even have to show it and don't even have to really let anybody know what it is, God forbid. So she said, okay, look, organic, okay? Just because it's organic doesn't mean it's good for you. See, poison ivy, mercury, lead, these things will kill you. And just because it's synthetic doesn't mean it's going to kill you, okay? Or mm -hmm. man-made or some kind of hybrid. So let's just test everything. And let's have a third party test everything that, you, that, that, that we put out there. And she said, yes, yeah. so we try to use as many natural plant-based ingredients that we can. But sometimes we use some very you know, good um, you know, chemicals, which are actually real, but they're not as what, what you call like it's not from a plant. So, you know... That's where we, we live. And I think that anybody should really strive for whatever they're consuming uh, to be clean. We test every dye, every foam, every fabric so that women can be in confidence. And you have to understand that the breast is the second most porous area, the vaginal area is the, the most, and a third of women's undies in America have warning labels in them because they're flammable, because they contain four chemicals that are outlawed in every other civilized country that make up kind of a Scotchgard-esque mm -hmm. effect. So, you know, I don't want to scare, but we just want to educate. So I think that, you know, um, clean, you know, if, if everyone kind of gets on that bandwagon and that's where we're at as a company, it's like, hey, and the hope is that, you know, other companies in the intimates will go, yeah, you know what, that, and I'm not saying anyone, they're maliciously out there trying to hurt anybody. It's business, right? Yeah. It's a lot less expensive, believe me, to, to use, you know, poly-based foam than water-based because I pay yeah. for water-based. I know what it's like. <laughs> But, you know, we'll be agents of change. I like that. Humble servants. That's it. I like that a lot. Clean. Yeah. Clean. Awesome, Clean. sir. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Hey, thank you. Thank you, For Q. whatever reason, I, I fist pump everybody. Yeah, that's right. I like it. I like it. <laughs> appreciate you, man. Seriously. Thank you're, you. You're the shit.